Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Dylan James on Out of Bounds with Dylan James right here on JDF Sports, on Let's Talk Sports, on YouTube. We're on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere tonight. Welcome to the show. We're going to be talking a lot about the NFL trade deadline and Tom Brady, the woes they're having in Tampa Bay. He finalized his divorce with Giselle back on Friday, so a lot to talk about in that camp. We also have the King, King Henry, coming out this past Sunday and running for over 200 yards for the fourth time in a row against the Houston Texans. We'll talk more about that. And again, trade deadline today was absolutely bonkers, which we'll talk more about that as well. But as you guys come on in, make sure you share the show with your friends, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, and make sure you follow us. Follow us on all of our social medias. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Twitch, we have YouTube. Everywhere you can find us there. And we will also be having the podcast version of this show coming out tomorrow on Apple, on Stitcher, Everywhere you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe to Out of Bounds with Dylan James. It would help us a lot. We have some people in the comments already. John Suggs, thoughts on the Claypool trade and Lions do a Lions move. Shake my head. Trade Hawkinson to rival Vikings. We will talk more about that in just a moment, John. And Chris saying good evening. Good evening to you as well, sir. But let's get over to John's comment. We'll, we'll hit more on this later. Initial thoughts on the Claypool trade. What are you thinking? About I that. hate I hate Chicago. Well, I mean it gives it gives Justin Fields someone to throw to. I guess I hate you know Chicago. it's like Josh Allen needs his Stephon Diggs. You you know you have Tom Brady needs his Mike Evans. You, you know these kind of quarterbacks need their guy. So it kind of gives them a guy in Chase Claypool to potentially do more in that offense compared to what he was doing in Pittsburgh because he's kind of you know, dwindled off a little bit. Um, but George Pickens is in there in Pittsburgh. He has a shot to be taken over Chase Claypool's spot. So I'll see how George can do in that offense. But I mean, I know you hate the Chicago Bears. I yes. know you do. Well, but... what's funny too is we actually gave, we were going to give him, I think we gave him either the same package or a little bit more. But the only reason why they decided to do that, even though the Packers and the Bears are three and five, is because they thought they would get a better first round pick with Chicago rather than Green Bay. And I'm just like, and that was the only move we were planning on doing. That maybe Brandon Cooks, which we decided not to do anything. So, Well, I mean, you were either going to get Chase Claypool or Brandon Cooks. That was really who we you were going either. after. We didn't, get, we didn't get either. We didn't do anything. You didn't get either. Yeah, apparently there was a deal in the background. I'm not sure who it was with. We need to look this up because I did see it on Twitter that there was someone trying to deal for Brandon Cooks. I thought it was Green Bay, but it might have been somebody it was, different. It was, us. Um, it was us. I think it was us and it was I know us for sure, but I think it was us in Chicago. We're both going for Chase Claypool and Brandon Cooks. And then of course yeah. they get Chase Claypool, we get nothing. So. And Brandon Cooks is still in Houston and we'll talk more about his reaction to the trade deadline news. In just a moment as well, we have a tweet from him. So if you've seen it, um, you'll have you'll be ahead of the game in this scenario. But I mean, Chase Claypool going to Chicago not a bad move. Would it have been better if he went to Green Bay? Yes, but that's kind of Chicago just coming in and giving you the big, big middle finger, being in the division, saying yeah. Green Bay, you know, sorry but not sorry. We're gonna take Claypool instead. Yeah, it's whatever. I'm just. Uh... I, I hate that we didn't lose badly to the Bills either this weekend. But this weekend was just shitty. Hey, well, you covered. You covered this weekend. I believe the spread was ten and a half. So 
Green Bay at least covered in that game, which I'm sure betters out there were pretty excited about. But yeah, but oh well, that's the only good thing about that that game for the Green Bay Packers this weekend. John also says, "Ask my dude with Green Bay, will they get four more losses before getting a win?" Let's see. I know we face Chicago next week. I gotta pull up their record. I have to pull up their roster, not the roster, the schedule, because I can't even think of it off the top of my head. And while you're so doing that, see. Chris says Green Bay didn't get anyone because they, even they know they can't go anywhere this year. Yeah. Okay, so we don't face Chicago. Wait, did we face Chicago this week? No, I thought we did. Am I losing it? No, we faced in December. I'm losing my mind. You're losing so we it, face- yep. Detroit this week on Sunday, which that's gonna that better be a win. If we lose to Detroit, something's going through a wall. In my defense, we're gonna lose or a to the window. Cabin. Is or there a window. window in your room? Yeah, there's a window right there. there we yeah, go. the the, the computer is going through. This the this is going through it. This helmet's going through that. Yep, yep. Um, the Cowboys, Titans, Eagles, Bears are our next five. If we that's... win just two. I'll be happy. Yeah, that's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. And John says, just don't punish your puppy in the next room. Oh, don't worry. He's he, been a menace. He's been a menace. I won't touch him. That's why the door is closed, John. He runs, the dog's not coming in there. Yeah, he runs the house. So Yeah, dog's not going in there anytime soon. So we'll talk more about the trade deadline. It was the craziest trade deadline. They said one of the busiest trade deadlines in at least 30 years. It, it was bonkers how many deals. There were 10 deals that were made today on trade deadline day i think the most there had been on trade deadline day since the early 90s was like five maybe six but today there were just deals going left and right unfortunately the two teams that you see on the screen in front of you the titans and the packers sat on their hands and didn't do anything for the for the trade deadline which uh for me i'm 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 kind of on the fence about why the Titans didn't do anything. I kind of understand because one, we had less than $2 million to work with, which that's understandable. And the trade deadline, there was a certain deadline as well for re reworking contracts, restructuring contracts before the trade deadline even came up. And so once that passed and I knew that the contracts we had were going to be the contracts we were going to have the rest of the year, I kind of realized that that was probably going to be the case, that we weren't going to make any moves. But um, yeah, I guess they're just riding with who they've got. And as of right now, they have King Henry, and he's been doing pretty well for the team. So we'll talk more about him in just a few moments. But before we get to that, I want to talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady on Friday finalized his divorce to Giselle. It was something that was coming a mile away that we had seen for quite some time. And it finally ended. So with this, they played the Baltimore Ravens this past weekend, lost 27-22. So a pretty close game there against Baltimore. In this scenario, do you see Tom Brady getting better this year with the Buccaneers since all of this drama is behind him? He's not drawing it out towards the end of the season like we thought he might be doing. Um, It seems kind of like he's cut ties with everything. He's, he's washed his hands of it. He's going to focus on football at this point, but I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for the rest of the season? Now that this is behind him, do I think he'll get better? Maybe I don't, obviously it's Brady. He's going to do what he does best. And that's be a great quarterback. Do I think the team will do better? Probably not because they have lack they have a very lack of depth right now. They don't have a lot of people. The next few games are 
aren't, I'm not going to say they're, they're, not, they're not rough, but they're definitely not easy. They got the Rams, Seahawks, Browns, Saints, and 49ers for the next five. It, it's going to be a tough schedule for the rest of their season, especially with it, it's sort of weird to say that it's like you've never seen Brady in this sort of predicament before. Like yeah. he's always been on top. He's always been winning at, at everything. You, you, you never looked at him as like, oh, he's going to lose. So like, whereas now it's like, what's going to happen with Brady after this? Is he actually going to be good? Is he going to be bad? What's what's going on now? Yeah, it's, it's tough to, to forecast how it's going to be. I think the biggest thing for them is also, too, they lost a key defensive piece in Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett's out for the season now, I believe with a torn ACL. So he's not going to be there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the remainder of the season. So Tom Brady now has to rely on his offense. I mean, they have Chris Godwin. They have Mike Evans on the field. They have those playmakers. He needs to start using those playmakers to his advantage. And another big piece, too, is that you know who's sitting at home right now who does not have a contract that did pretty well with Tom Brady in his career? Rob Gronkowski. Why have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not called him to say, look, we need to add firepower to our team? The biggest thing with me is if you have Rob Gronkowski on the field, those are at least two defenders that are going to be focusing on him away from Chris Godwin, away from Mike Evans. So you have that piece there that can, A, either draw coverage from the defense, or B, could be open to score touchdowns for you. Because he's one of the most efficient tight ends when it comes to scoring touchdowns ever in the league. So you have those two options if you have a Rob Gronkowski come off the couch to play for your team. At this point, I'm assuming that he's probably stayed in shape just because he knew this would probably happen. Not necessarily with Tampa, but he knew that there would probably be somebody out there that would be calling for his services this year. Because he's talked about it to where, before before the offseason even begun, whenever they were talking about Tom Brady retiring or whatnot, they talked to Rob Gronkowski, and at first he was saying, oh, you know, I'm contemplating retirement. Tom Brady comes back. He says, you know what, I might just think, you know, Tom, I'm going to make him worry a little bit. I'm making him sweat a little bit. So, you know, I, I'll probably come back, but I'm not going to come back anytime soon. Like I'm still like hanging out, chilling. Um, then he actually retired, quote unquote. But now you have this opportunity for Rob Gronkowski to come to this team. I mean, as of right now, the Buccaneers are only three and five and they still have a really good shot in that division that they're in because the division sucks. But yeah. At the end of the day, if you have a piece like Rob Gronkowski come back to your team, and especially with the connection he has with Tom Brady, I think that would work wonders for this team. And I think that would put them over the edge to where they can not necessarily be the juggernaut we thought they were going to be in the the NFC, but at least be in the conversation for being one of the better teams in the NFC once the playoffs roll around. So I think that would be a key piece for them. I mean, you know, people were talking about, hey, they didn't add anything during the trade deadline, but that's one deal I think they should probably make to make it to where they can at least get to the playoffs and see what happens from there. John is chiming in. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Chris is chiming in first. We had several comments. Chris said, Brady will lose himself in practicing in games and go on to win another ring, or he will fall off the Kellerman cliff. John says, When's the last time Tom Brady threw an interception? Maybe you like, what, week two or three? It's not Brady. It's he's missing a true tight end, and his offensive line has a few key pieces hurt. And Chris says, 
hey, Gronk, just come run for his catch. No, no, just come run and come back to the huddle. Um, no, I, I think that he would do more than just running on the field. I think that Rob Gronkowski would be able to get you some touchdowns because he's a good possession tight end. I mean, that that's what he is known for. That's his bread and butter is getting touchdowns and getting key possessions, key times we need to extend plays. He's the one to get that catch for you. And again, just get that piece back. If you can get Rob back, if Tom can now say, look, Rob, I'm done with my divorce. I'm done with my family right now. F them kids. Like that, like that meme says on Twitter, F them kids. We are going to come back and we're going to get to the playoffs and have a shot at a ring. And then you can retire. But I need you for one more year, half a year, half a year. And that's it. And then after that, we'll just be able to live in paradise. Together if we want to. We can have a bro, like a, a bro mansion. You know, have a little bromance going on. Not Nothing sexual, but just bromance, you know. Bro. I mean, he does anyway. kiss his kids on the lips, so. <laughs> he does. It, yeah, that was just a peck. That was just, come back. It was just a peck. Um, yeah, I saw that video. I, I showed that video to some friends this weekend, and they had not seen that video. Um, that's been out for like, mo- that's been since oh, like, it's, he was in, he was in uh, New England. I think that's yeah, that, that was right before he left for Tampa, I believe if, if, if it wasn't, it was the first year he was with Tampa. Yeah. So two years ago. Yeah. Um, but still that, that video is uh, crazy, insane. but no. Yeah. So I also, I looked it up. Tom Brady has not hindered, had an interception since week one where he threw for, where he threw one interception. He's been very efficient. Well, he's been efficient with what he's, with what he's had. He's he's been a good possession quarterback. He he hasn't turned over the ball, which that's all you can ask for in most cases with a quarterback. But with him, you're hoping for the explosiveness that he has throwing the ball down the field and whatnot to his wide receivers. But it just seems like everyone's just kind of in flux down there in Tampa. It just doesn't seem like they're meshing as they have in the past, but. Adding that key piece and Rob Gronkowski, I think that's going to do it for you. Oh. I think that'll do it for you. That'll yeah. throw you right into the conversation for the NFC. And after today's deadline, there were a few more teams that got added to that conversation. They were already there, but they solidified their position in that conversation, which we'll talk yeah. about later in the show. But again, if you guys are watching, make sure you share this show, subscribe to our channel, follow us and share us with your friends because we want as many people in here as possible to talk NFL trade deadline with you. But next we're talking about my guy, my guy, Derek Henry. Say it with me. King Henry this past weekend played against the Houston Texans, a team that has been reeling, reeling this season. They're one, they were one, four and one going into this game. Now they're one, five and one. Um, just not a very good football team. But no. Derrick Henry is a, a Derrick Henry was able to go in there with a starting quarterback, a rookie starting quarterback, mind you, in Malik Willis, and just take over the game. And he did. Derrick Henry this weekend against the Houston Texans ran 32 times for 219 yards and two touchdowns. He is the first running back, the only running back, to have six games of 200 plus yards with two plus two plus touchdowns in NFL history. Derrick Henry. He was also this is also the fourth straight game I said it earlier in the show too. The fourth straight game against the Texans with 200 plus rushing yards. He is on pace currently to run for 403 times 
and 1,834 rushing yards currently. But also, that's putting into account his, I think, 107 yards per game, what he's averaging currently. That doesn't add the fact that he plays the Texans one more time this year in Nashville, where he'll probably get 200 again. <laughs> like, so at that point, he'll be running for 1,934 rushing yards this season. That's the pace that he's running right now. So he's close to that 2,000 mark. So I want to ask you two. We had a Twitter poll. We had three Twitter polls today, which we'll bring up at the end of the show. But I want to ask you, and I want to ask the audience out there too, is Derrick Henry able to eclipse the 2,000-yard rushing mark once again this year in 2022? Uh, I say yes, but it's going to be difficult, especially with how... I don't want to say it's going to be difficult, especially with how he's been rushing, but he's been used up a lot. He's got a lot of tread on those tires, especially last year, broke his foot, had a metal rod in his foot for the past, for what, he had a metal rod in his foot last year in the playoffs. I think he got it out this offseason, I believe, or he's still in there. He's still got a lot of tread on those tires, so I think he'll be able to rush for it. Yeah, I think it's one of the, he's the best, if not, he's one of the best, if not the best running back in the league. But it's just going to be difficult with how much tread is on those tires. If he can stay healthy, then yes. But if he doesn't, then and we start to see him start to wear down, then who knows? Here's what I think. He does have tread on the tire. He, he has tread left on the tires. Especially with how he trains in the offseason. How he is in just peak physical health. Has his play declined from when he ran for 2,000 yards? I don't think it's declined that much. It hasn't been no. noticeable. I think that people were concerned after the foot injury last year that that was going to happen, that he was going to get to that point where he wouldn't be able to run for 1,500, 2,000 yards a season. But looking at this offense and knowing that Tennessee did not go for a wide receiver today, they didn't go for an offensive lineman today. They didn't go for anybody today at the trade deadline. You have these wide receivers there that are mostly there for blocking for Derrick Henry. So you have this run game that this season has not been able to really be stopped in Tennessee. Before I get to my answer, I'm going to give you the statistics of what he's done so far in each game leading up to the Houston game this past Sunday. And then we'll look at comments too. Derrick Henry in... This is actually the last five games. So Derrick Henry against the, the Vegas the Vegas Raiders, he ran for 85 yards on 20 carries. Against the Colts, at Colts, he ran 22 times for 114 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. In Washington, at Washington, he ran 28 times for 102 yards at, versus the Colts in Nashville, ran 30 times for 128 yards. In Houston, he ran for 32 for 219. He's still average. I mean, he averaged 4.3, 5.2, 3.6, 4.3, and 6.8. The lowest game was the 3.6. But other than that, though, his average has still been very good. I know John kind of talked about, you know, not having the the bulk of carries. That's That's how he gets his yards, the bulk of carries. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, I still think that he is, yes, he's still getting high number of, of runs, 
22 runs for 114 yards against the Colts, who had a very highly touted defense, although Shaq Barrett, uh, um, uh, Shaq Leonard, uh, Darius, I'm sorry, Darius Leonard, was, I believe, not in that game. Shaq Leonard, no. Shaq Leonard, yeah. Yeah. Well, Shaq Leonard, so confusing. Anyway, um, 22 attempts for 114 yards, 5.2 yards a carry. That's still pretty good against a defense in Indianapolis that that's, was their saving grace for the past few years, and it kind of has been this year, too. It keeps them close in games. So I still think that he's able to get to a very large number, 17 to 1,800 yards, John's saying here. Um, Chris is saying, able to, yes, will he know? We're talking about Derrick Henry getting to the 2,000-yard mark once again because he's already done it in 2020, but can he do it this year in 2022? Um, Chris also says Tennessee will play behind too much the rest of the way, and they'll be throwing more. His ability to do it will get him close, but their ability to get better at the deadline shows he won't be able to get there. And John says he is averaging around 110 yards a game, not counting terrible Houston. So him sitting at 755 and 11 more games, averaging 100, 1100 plus 755. So over 1800 is what he's looking at here. This is the reason I have optimism that Derrick Henry can get to the 2000 yard mark again this year and be the only running back in NFL history to do so. Look at their next, their next opponents. So I'm going to go down the list and tell you what these opponents have done the past three games in yards allowed on defense. Yards allowed. The Kansas City Chiefs, Sunday night football game, they're going to be riding Derrick Henry hard, especially if Malik Willis is going to be starting at quarterback, which I highly doubt that will be the case. I think that Ryan Tannehill will come back from his ankle injury because he'll have a week off. Um, I think that's the reason why he sat out this past weekend because he was sick, but he also had the little lingering ankle injury. If he wasn't sick, I had a feeling he was probably going to start last weekend. Um, but having this game coming up against the chiefs, it's understandable. They sat him out and they were able to still win the game without him. The chiefs are averaging 127 yards per game, rushing allowed, Allowed rushing yards per game. The last three games, 127 yards. Broncos, 139.7. Packers, 166. Sorry. Bengals, 169. Eagles, 134. Jaguars, 127.3. Chargers, 174.7. Texans, again, 204.7 yards in averaging the past three games. Brutal. And the Cowboys, averaging 164.3 yards given up on rushes on defense so with those numbers there add those numbers up and see what Derrick Henry would be at if he's able to get the average of all of those teams the last three games they've they've played these these defenses have played and guess who's number one on that list in the last three games of rushing yards allowed the Tennessee Titans they've averaged only 50 yards given up on on offense rushing on defense rushing over the past three games. And John says that's if he stays healthy. Yes. I think last year with the foot injury, that was something that it's just it just happens. If a, if a foot injury like that happens again, maybe his other foot happens, I could see that happening. If he stays healthy, though, he has the potential, especially with how this offense has been running, the potential to hit that 2,000-yard mark again. Not to mention as well with the Chiefs this week for you guys, Frank Clark is suspended as well. 
Yeah. That's one key defensive end out. They don't really have much going Chandler on Jones. That. Chandler Jones. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't really have much young, big talent that can stop him in the front eight or front seven, sorry. Yeah. Like, it's going to be difficult for them to slow him down because if you're only – if he's getting five, six yards of carry, get him 20 times, that's, that's 100 right there, basically. Yeah. And, and the big thing, too, I mean, I know people re- re- referenced – Malik Willis in the second half of last of this game against the Houston Texans, he threw the ball one time. He had one completion in the second half, and that was it. Just because of how it looked like it was going to happen in the first half. In the first half, he had an interception. Um, he was like uh, three of six or three of seven or something along those lines. Not very good numbers uh, for Malik Willis, but you have Derrick Henry to run the ball. I think at that point, that's that's your bread and butter, so so go to it. And they were able to be successful. I, I do think with Ryan Tannehill, you have that opportunity to mix in the pass as well. Um, looking at Malik Willis, he has the intangibles to be a very good quarterback in this league. He's a very physical quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. He can run. He didn't really run in this past game, though, against Houston. I was kind of confused by that. I'm not sure if that was I, – I, I feel as though that's just because they were wanting to keep him healthy – they just told him, don't run. There's no reason to run. Yeah. Um, but at this point, I think that with Malik, he's the quarterback of the future. We see that. I think that with Tannehill, I would not be surprised if he stayed with Tennessee next season and was the quarterback for one more year. Um, because I, st- I still think Malik has, needs some time. I think he'll get that time. But this season, Ryan Tannehill has the opportunity to make the throws when he needs to make the throws, not be a flashy quarterback, be a game manager, and allow the run game to be successful. And also, I'm not even talking about Dontrell Hilliard. Hilliard's been playing very well for this offense, too. He's the one, he has more touchdowns than any of the wide receivers we have on this offense. He's been leading the team in receiving touchdowns and rushing touchdowns, and receiving touchdowns at least. Um, so he's been a very, very good piece too. If King Henry does go down with an injury, then we have a guy in Hilliard that can come in and be a very, very good replacement with Hassan Haskins, most likely taking the RB2 spot in that scenario. But I just don't think King Henry is going to get injured this year. I think he's out for... He's out to prove people wrong that, you know, father time isn't coming after him yet or that the injury is not going to hinder him from being good anymore. Um, I think he's coming out to show that, hey, I can still run with the big boys and I, I can still put up the numbers that I used to. And currently right now, he's third on the rushing title list amongst all rushers in the NFL. And he has one game less than Nick Chubb and Sally. So he's going to get to the number one spot most likely next week. So that'll be interesting. Um, there is some conversation about hockey, the Predators being three and one in the fr- three to one in the first period, getting beat. Um, Predators, John said you beat me to it. John also says Ruins losing three to two. Oh, Bruins losing three to two to the Penguins. Oh, and now four to two. Now five to two. Oh, what is happening in Boston? Is it in Boston or in Pittsburgh? I'm not really sure. Um, let me know in the comments. I'd love to know. See. So I, I think Derrick Henry has a shot of getting 2,000 again. I, I think that he is a man on a mission. I don't think he'll get injured like he did last year, knock on wood. And I'm sure there are a lot of Titans fans out there hoping the same thing, that he's able to do so. Um, I know this is something that 
and the thing, I, I, I'm not expecting Derrick Henry to run 2,000 yards every season. I, I, I know there's going to be a point to where he won't be able to run as well as he used to. I get it. But I think this is probably the best last chance he has to hit 2,000 yards. And I yeah. think he can. He, he, has the teams to, he has the teams in front of him to do it. But, um, yeah, I, I think that he has a real shot at getting 2,000 yards. Chris is saying the game is in Pittsburgh. So. Yeah. Not to mention, too, it's if, if he does get 2,000, this will be the third the third player in Tennessee history to hit 2,000, right? Because I don't think Campbell did it. Cause he, CJ already, 2K. he already hit it. He well, he already hit it. hit it, so that would be the second one. He'd, He'd be the, the first running back in NFL history to hit 2,000 yards twice. Twice, but that'll be that'll be like what the most by any franchise. Well, they'll they'll have three 2,000 yard rushing seasons. I think something like that. I think that's probably yeah, that's probably the case at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, crazy. It's so crazy to think that we have such good running back lineage in Tennessee. With the Houston Oilers, then the Tennessee Titans, we have some very, very good rushers um, on our team, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have that luck for the remainder of my lifetime. That would be great to have a running back that is that good or somewhere along those lines. Chris says, um, and oh no, the best team in hockey is having a stinker after being on a tear for a month, switching to Swayman. Still half the game left. They came back from two, three goal deficits versus Ottawa, so they can do it tonight. Jesus. This is not what's brewing 3.0, Chris. I'm sorry. This is what, uh, out of bounds, Dylan James. Um, Dallas move on from Zeke into the year for 2023. No guaranteed salary for around $17 million. Tony Pollard look, has looked good. I thought he's, look, he's looked good in that offense in those short spurts that Zeke Elliott's been injured. Yeah. I, I, I think that he's he's a really, really good option. I think that Zeke Elliott is, I mean, towards the beginning of this year, he might have been looking better. He might have been earning his salary a bit more. But with Zeke being sidelined this past weekend, Pollard looked like an RB1. He looked like a starting running back in this league. Yeah, and I think it this week basically shut all the haters up where they're like, oh, he can't be an RB1. He can't do that. Yes, they were facing Chicago, which, again, Chicago's defense is not the best. But he looked like a running back one. He didn't look like a running back two that could maybe get some RB1 reps. He looked like a true RB1 that could I, – I don't want to say, like, explode, but it definitely looks good in the uh, the Cowboys system with how they use their running backs, like DeMarco Murray, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, even Emmett Smith in the 90s. Like, he looks like he could fit really well in that system. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he can, and he has so far. It's, it's. I think they've had Jerry Jones has had this lust for Zeke Elliott for the past few years, especially after paying him that huge contract that they felt as though they had to have him as a starting as the starting running back. He's proven the past few years that he's lost a step compared to when he first joined the league and when he was saying, "Feed me, feed me." Well. They keep giving him the ball, and he's just not producing. So that's why Dak Prescott's back there throwing it instead. But I, I think that at the end of the day, you have to look at money. Even though the, the salary cap's probably going to go up over the next year, two years, three years, um, to rebound from COVID, it, it's still it's still a monetary game. It's still salary cap. It's you know you have to maneuver it somehow. And if you're able to get rid of Zeke Elliott and get get rid of all that money that you have on the books for him then you can do some good things and build around Dak Prescott and Tony Pollard instead, which that tandem can still be a pretty deadly one. 
Um, and it was 5-3 for the Bruins. The goal was waved off due to goaltender interference. So thank you for that. Um, thoughts on Chubb trade between three-team deal? Bradley Chubb. Oh, Bradley Chubb. I was thinking the other Chubb. Oh, not Nick Chubb. No, no, not Nick Chubb. Bradley um, Chubb. I actually made a TikTok about this. Okay. On my own okay. one between the lines if somebody wants to watch it. I really like this for the side of for the side of Miami. And I'm going to go into it a little bit more. Miami was always like that um they always seemed like they were they were on the cusp of it of making the playoffs and actually doing something, but it, it was just Buff, it was just Buffalo and Kansas City. Now they're now I think with this move and getting um Bradley Chubb, they they got rid of Chase Edmonds. And they also got another running back from, from the 49ers, so somebody a little bit cheaper. I think they've solidified themselves in that three seed or that three spot where they're going to be the third best team in the AFC. I don't, obviously, I don't, they can't get the three seed because they're the same conference as Buffalo. But I think they're, they're consistently going to be now the third best team in that AFC. And they're just looking to push up and hoping that either Kansas City or Buffalo will falter a little bit and then they'll jump that spot right away. Because yeah. it's just it, it's that defense and that offense is just insane. Yeah. Um, and John's saying it was a, th- a 49ers pick they received, they gave up also. So yeah. technically you can say it was a three team ish deal. Yeah, because they um, got yeah. it last year, I think. Yeah. Like that. I mean, again, I, I agree with you. I think Bradley Chubb was a huge get for the Miami Dolphins. That was the biggest thing too, is that their defense, the the back end of their defense was actually pretty good. Xavier Howard's back there and and you know they, they have some good pieces back there in the backs in the back uh the backfield. Back yeah, the back four. But past that though, they didn't really have a they had a good line, they didn't have a great had, line. Yeah, they had like Melvin Ingram, they had some really good, like I don't want to say really good, I don't even remember their names. So they had some decent defensive line depth, but now getting another edge rusher that can that's only 26 years old, which it that's seems huge. like he's been in the league forever. Yeah. Um he's fifth, I think he's fifth right now in sacks. He's like 21st in He's not twenty first. He's like twenty first, like pressures or something like that. Like I'm like I, I would love that. I like getting or getting really only getting rid of a first and Chase Edmonds a running back, which you didn't really need because you had a few good running backs. It's it seemed like a no brainer almost. Yeah, I think it's a huge deal for the Dolphins. And, and again, you've seen it this season that they've the big games they've been winning. It's been shootouts. It, it, it hasn't. They haven't provided much much uh defense on that i was trying to think of another word uh much defense on the side of the ball for the miami dolphins so adding a guy like bradley chubb to get to the quarterback that's the biggest thing you have the corners to be able to cover and if they're given enough time then if and if the defensive end can get there with bradley chubb i think he can if he can get there enough time he can just disrupt the whole play throw the playoff, make, make it to where they get a sack, get a pressure. I, I, I think this is a great move for Miami moving forward, especially if they are in the hunt for a playoff spot, which, again, I think they will be too, especially with the firepower they have. Tyreek Hill was actually live on Twitch today when the news came down of Bradley Chubb. and yeah, You could tell he was pretty elated by having Bradley Chubb in the building with him. But having those pieces there, Tyreek Hill, Tua Tagovailoa, um, they also got the running back from San Francisco today as well in a last-minute trade from San Francisco. So that was a good thing for for this team. I, I, I think that they have some good pieces there. And they, again, on offense, they have really good pieces. Bradley Chubb just adds a different dimension to their defense to where they can be successful. It might be a situation kind of like the Rams last year 
that they just got that one piece, like a Von Miller piece that took them to the Super Bowl. It could be like that in Miami too. They have the potential to have that kind of play from Barrett Bradley Chubb moving forward. Um, I think it's going to be really, really good for them. I, I think that, and also Tua came back from his from his concussion. They did the right thing by sitting him out for two weeks, and he looks good. He looks good again. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks like he, he was playing before the concussion. So fingers crossed down there, Miami, he doesn't get another concussion because that would be terrible, having maybe three t- three concussions in a season. That's ne- not really a good thing. Ask Wes Welker. But, yeah. you know, I think that in this scenario, if Tua can stay healthy and these pieces that he has can stay healthy, then they can do some really good things heading into the playoffs. Um, another question here, Chris said, San Fran went, yeah, we got CMC now. We don't need you anymore talking about the other running back. I forgot the other running back's it's, name. It's something Wilson, I believe. It's Wilson the fourth, I think. Okay, yeah. Or Wilson the third. The third. Um, and John says, uh, thoughts on Falcons getting 2023 fifth-round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth-round pick for trading Calvin Ridley to the Jags. I think it'll definitely help Trevor Lawrence next year. Absolutely, I think it will. I think that... At this point, if I were the Jags, I would be trying to talk to Roger Goodell to say, hey, can we shorten this suspension? I, I know it's probably not going to happen, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, come on. He, he bet on, and especially, it's funny too, he bet on the game between the Falcons and the yep. Jags from last year. So yeah. now the Jags have him in Jacksonville. Kind of just completes the circle. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. I, I think that at that point, Roger Goodell should look at this scenario and say, you know what? Jacksonville's okay with Calvin Ridley. I'm okay with Calvin Ridley. Calvin, you're you're reinstated. Come back I, onto the field. It'll be great. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why he didn't fight the suspension to begin with, or we don't really know the whole details of it, but didn't fully fight it, I guess, and try to get a shorter sentence, was because he didn't want to play for Atlanta. I, I wouldn't be surprised because Atlanta looks like a dumpster fire. They're still probably going to win the division, but who I, mean, knows? I would say they're a dumpster fire. They, they, they I mean, look okay. Marcus Mariota has done a lot for like for what they have there in Atlanta. Okay, yeah. Marcus Mariota's looked pretty good for what they have there. They have like no money. <laughs> All the money is tied up in Matt Ryan sitting on the bench in Indianapolis. Yeah. They have no money. So like they can't do anything. So I mean the, the, with the pieces they have, Kyle Pitts and Corderell Patterson and Ma- Marcus Mariota, they've actually done some pretty good things. They're actually playing better than I thought they would. Yeah, they're playing better than I thought that they thought they would do. But I, I really like this as head of Jacksonville, especially like picking up Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, a lot of like sort of like the same players because of there are a lot of slot players, and then you get Kelvin Ridley who can just be that deep ball threat that just plays the outside. I think it's gonna be really good for them next year, especially especially helping develop Kelvin Ridley or not Calvin Ridley, especially helping develop uh Trevor Lawrence, especially since Kelvin Ridley is still in his is still in his rookie deal. Because they yeah. got transferred to next season, so he plays for a year. If they want to sign him some big money, they can. Because uh, that's the because Christian Kirk and Zay Jones both got signed to two plus one, I believe, or something like that. Was a team option for the third year. You don't want to keep them. Drop their third year. Give it to Calvin Ridley. There you go. Easy enough. Yep, absolutely. And Jack McCree, huge Falcons fan, mind you. He's from the Atlanta area. Arthur Smith is a magician for what he pulled off with this roster and their cap situation. Yeah, Jack, I want to hear more about your thoughts on Calvin Ridley, too. So chime in on the comments there. Love to get your thoughts on what you think about the Calvin Ridley deal. And and uh, was it a good move to move on from Calvin Ridley in the fashion they did with him sitting on the couch and potentially coming in and 
and being a playmaker next year for Marcus Mariota. That'd be great to, to hear. And Jeff, uh, I'm sorry, John says, yes, it's Jeff Wilson the third is who Jeff we're Wilson referring Jr. to. Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson, okay, Jr. Jeff Wilson. Who was the third that got traded? Someone, the third got traded so, today. Something. I don't know. I don't there's, know. There's because, too many moves, too many moves. I was watching ESPN earlier today, and they were talking about some third player that was something, something, the third. I'm not sure. Um, Chris is saying 4-1 Oilers over the Kitty Cats, the Predators, Wimpy, Rar. <sighs> meow. Yeah, that's... This isn't, this isn't puck off. I know it's not. We're talking more about that tomorrow night. If you want to talk about hockey, make sure to tune in tomorrow night. Puck off at 9.30 Eastern time right here on JDF Sports and also on Let's Talk Sports on YouTube as well. We are uh, broadcasting everywhere, so make sure you follow that show too. I remember who the third was. It was the uh, commander's cornerback that got traded to the Steelers. That's right. Yes. Yes. That was was Wilson the third. uh, What was his name? Yeah, find that out for me. That'd be great. Anyway, there were a lot of trade deals that happened today. Bradley Chubb got traded, as John reacted to as well. But another wide receiver got traded today, too, outside of Calvin Ridley. Chase Claypool got traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a move that there were rumblings it was going to happen, and there was talk of him wanting to get out of Pittsburgh to go somewhere else. I don't think that he would have envisioned going to Chicago of all teams. I think he would probably wanted to go to a more of a competitor. But what do you think about this? Well, maybe Green Bay. What do you think about this this connection, though, between Justin Fields and Chase Claypool moving forward in Justin Fields' development? And also, I mean, Chase Claypool, too. This is going to sound like a very, very weird take, but it's going to be the same thing that's going on now. A young quarterback in Kenny Pickett, young quarterback in Justin Fields. Both don't really are still very jumpy. I don't know if that's the right word. Like in the pocket, they're very quick on their feet. They just want to run, it seems like, half the time. They don't make the right decisions every once in a while. It it should – it's very, very weird to see him go from basically a situation where they're rebuilding with a brand-new quarterback and a decent running back with Najee Harris to a rebuilding team with a – Good with a young quarterback and a decent running back and David uh, David Montgomery. It's the same situation. It just looks like he just changed jersey colors. Changed jersey colors. Yeah. I, I think that this is going to be a better scenario for him, though. You do have a quarterback in Justin Fields who, yes, he is young. Yes, he is a new quarterback, second-year quarterback for Chicago. But I think that Justin has a bit more, well, he has a bit more experience, obviously, in the league compared to Kenny Pickett, but I think it's just a better scenario for him. I don't think the expectations in Chicago are as high as they were in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, it's, you're making the playoffs every year. You're making the playoffs every year. You're not going to have a losing record because Mike Tomlin has not had a losing record in his career thus far as a head coach. Um, There's a lot of stipulations and a lot of of just expectations hovering over that team every single season. But with Chicago recently, especially after Jay Cutler left there too, it's just been kind of like, eh, it's Chicago. Like, I mean, go out there and play some ball. I mean, like try to get better, but it's not necessarily, Hey, you guys are getting in the playoffs this year. We're going for a Super Bowl. I don't think that's the case. I think that Chase Claypool can go there and write his own story in Chicago compared to what he could do in Pittsburgh. And, there were some other wide receivers there that were, you know, right nipping on his heels. George Pickens being one of them. 
in Pittsburgh. So now Chase has the option, the opportunity to be the number two wide receiver there in Chicago um, and potentially take over the number one spot as well, just depending on how he, he connects with Justin Fields. But I, I think that he can do some good things there in Chicago, um, although I would have loved to have seen him in a Green Bay Packers uniform. That's just me. Because yeah. I, I, I do, again, not because of you, but I like when the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers are successful. I like Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I, I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I, I would love to see Aaron Rodgers win one more before the end of his career. It's getting less and less likely by the day, especially yeah. with ownership and especially with what they're doing with the draft and what they're doing in, in trade deadline and free agency. They're just not putting it together like they should be putting it together in Green Bay. And, yeah. uh, I mean, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll be able to see another quarterback, another Super Bowl in Aaron Rodgers' future, especially with the wide receiver pieces they have there right now. I'll I'll call up my next door neighbor who's got a Packers share, and I'll tell him about everything that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely, and take but, it to the next meeting. Yeah. Thank you. But take no, it to the next so meeting. again, going back to the whole Clay, Chase Claypool thing, going between the two, I think another thing too is a lot of Steelers fans and a lot of Steelers media thinks that Kenny Pickett is not the sort of franchise guy. It seems like even though he's just drafted this past year. Whereas with Chicago, a lot of people are like, he's going to be our franchise guy for the next few years. Like, he's going to be the guy for the next few years. Well, I think this I think, move solidified that. Too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, mean, this I, is, I think it did. Yeah, I think that's the one good thing, too, for Chicago is that it's like, okay, you got a guy, you got the quarterback, you got one and two. Now we just need a decent offensive line. We got two really good running backs with Khalil Herbert and uh, David Montgomery. Got a pretty good tight end with Cole Komet. Now you just need to solidify that defense, which obviously you just traded away two of your best players this past weekend but i mean that both of them were looking for trades so you sort of had to agree to that so hopefully you can get somebody through the draft get somebody through free agency and stuff like that that you can sort of rebuild around and i think it'll be interesting to see how what chicago does in the next two three years especially with how that offense is going to be yeah agreed andy is chiming in welcome to the show andy jeff wilson jr is a san francisco running back he got traded to the dolphins today and also, just picked up Chase Claypool because he should be the number two at least in Chicago, which that's a good yeah. pickup in fantasy for sure. Um, Chris says, see you in your sixth place kittens tomorrow for puck off. Okay. Um, John <laughs> says here, Pitt, Pittsburgh acquired a 2023 second round draft pick pending a physical from Chicago for wide receiver Chase Claypool. Um, and he says he's going to do well in Chicago. And John is asking a question about the Colts, which I was going to get to this topic as well. The Colts fired offensive coordinator Marcus Brady today, which we'll talk more about in just a second, but this is the comment. Is he just a scapegoat for Coach Wright? Uh, Can't blame Taylor because they have three wins and two of them Taylor didn't play. And you've benched your veteran quarterback. I think the coach stays till end of season. I think with Frank Reich, he is the issue. In this move today with the offensive coordinator being removed from his position and fired from the team, Marcus Brady, he wasn't play calling. Frank Reich is play calling on Sundays. He's the guy that's that's leading this team on offense. And this is the and he's the guy that's leading this team down the toilet. Again, each and every pundit on ESPN, on CBS, on Fox everywhere they're saying the Colts are a quarterback away a quarterback away from being a contender uh, from being a Super Bowl contender a quarterback away they had the scenario two 
do good things last year, especially with Jonathan Taylor playing the way he did. But what did the Colts do at the end of the season? They shit the bed. I have a TikTok about this on the JDF page. Go on our TikTok uh, channel. If you're on YouTube, it's in the link. It's in the description below. Um, and check out the TikTok because I want to know your, your thoughts as well. But they've always said they're a quarterback away. I think at this point they're a coach away. Frank Reich is not the guy there for Indianapolis. I, I think that instead of having this dog and pony show about, oh, let's fire the OC. Let's give Frank Reich one more chance. I think you've given Frank Reich multiple chances already. You've given him enough chances. In my opinion, as being a Titans fan, keep Frank Reich for as long as you can. Keep him because he's not going to get you anywhere. But being a, you know, just a, a third party observer in this scenario, Indianapolis needs to get rid of Frank Reich. And if they don't get a, rid of Frank Reich, they're not going to right the ship there with the Colts to where they can actually do something in the AFC South or in the NFL for that matter. So you have Jonathan Taylor there. You're wasting away his prime years. He'll get to that point to where he's going to be just one of the guys. An, an Andrew Luck standing on the sidelines with his, his you know, mustache and, you know, wrinkled shirt. Getting interviewed on the sideline at the Stanford game. Like, that, that's that's what you're going to have in Jonathan Taylor if you, if you don't act on it quickly. Find somebody that can actually coach this team to a win. Because you had Sam Ellinger last week, and again, all the Colts fans coming out of nowhere saying, oh, Sam Ellinger is going to be the, the quarterback that takes us to the promised land. That's There's no reason that Sam Ellinger was on the bench behind Matt Ryan after he had tried to get the starting position last year and this year. No, it's just they've just been saving him up. No, they haven't been saving him up. He's just not that good of a quarterback. That's the reason why he wasn't starting. So... You had Matt Ryan, didn't work out, benched him, had Sam Ellinger in there last week, and they lost to the Commanders. You lost to the Commanders, led by Taylor Heineke. Let that sink in. And you you had a chance to win the game. That's the biggest thing. You had a chance to win the game, and you blew it. Absolutely blew it. And yes, it is a scapegoat. Marcus Brady was a scapegoat for the Colts. Hopefully he can find a position somewhere else where he can actually show off his play calling abilities because obviously he wasn't given the chance there in Indianapolis. Kevin saying, hi, Tyler. John saying, and if you go back and look at the coaches, that was the head coach that have also made the offense play don't usually last. That's right. Kevin said, you almost beat me this week, Dylan, but I won. I didn't even look at it. Darn it. Um, I, we also need to do an update on that league as well because I would love everyone to see what the standings are because I think I'm still winning. Um, Chris, Colts are a quarterback away from contending for a Super Bowl. Every analyst for the past four years, absolutely. And John says, we all know Colts getting Stroud. CJ Stroud, this draft. I mean, if they go down the same trajectory that they're going down right now, then they will be at least in the top five picks. So we'll see if that happens. And Kevin says, I'm ruining you all. Mm. Wonderful. So other moves that happened, TJ Hawkinson came in from Minnesota today, got traded from the Detroit Lions and an inner division rival decided to trade their tight end over to Minnesota instead, which uh, Minnesota's tight end went down with an injury. They don't know how long he's going to be out for. So having TJ Hawkinson in there, We'll give them the option of a better playmaker than 
their backup tight end they have there in the in the offense for Minnesota. Speaking of teams, I was talking earlier. I said there are some teams in the NFC that are making a case in the NFC to be up there once the playoffs roll around. And there are a few that solidified those positions. I think Minnesota today getting TJ Hawkinson, I think they solidified their chance, their best chance they've had in several years to be up there in the NFC conversation heading into the playoffs. Yeah, they definitely have. And especially because I was watching TikTok and Theo Ash from Stay Hot Pod was talking about it. This is very much a good move by both teams. And people are like, oh, well, it's an inner division. What do you mean? TJ Hawkinson is up for a payday this year or this next upcoming offseason. Lions don't want to pay him because they know they're still going to be bad. They don't want to lock themselves into that contract. They want that draft capital. They yeah. got some decently good, decent draft capital from the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings were like, we need a tight end. We're willing to pay you if we feel like we're going to pay you. Win-win on both sides, basically. So I think this is a really good move by both teams, and I'm excited. I hate saying this, but I'm excited to see what the Vikings do. I hope they don't win the Super Bowl, but if they do, then it'll be nice to see uh, TJ Hawkinson actually win something for once. Well, that's the big thing, too, is that you're looking at NFC. We talked about the teams that we thought were going to be up there in the NFC. The Rams haven't looked very good this year. The Bucks haven't looked very good this year. Outside of that, the Vikings have looked, and the Packers haven't looked the best this year. I mean, although they're still kind of in the mix, but they haven't looked as good as they have in recent memory. I don't want us to be good. I want us to be bad. I want us yeah. to start to, I just wanted to, I just want the misery to end. I just want us to just stop giving us hope. That's one thing that me and my buddies keep on talking about. They're trying to say, why does this team always give us hope? And then they just throw it away again. Like well, that's the biggest thing. I, th- I think that it's kind of like what I think of with the Nashville Predators as well. At a certain point, I would love it to where, I mean, I'm glad, I'm not glad. I, I want them to win. But at the same time, I want them to open their eyes to see that like John Hines, that's currently the coach there, should not be there anymore. They should probably find someone else who actually knows how to coach a team to be successful instead of having John Hines there as an experiment and they just keep spinning their wheels. Um, in this scenario, it, it seems as though the Green Bay Packers need need to not have success to show management and to show everyone that they need to make a change somewhere. Somewhere needs to be changed. Um, head coaches in the scenario, because I think Matt LaFleur is good, it's just that they need pieces. They don't need just these rookie wide receivers running around the field who haven't you know played with a guy like Aaron Rodgers before in the past which again I mean people will probably knock Aaron Rodgers by saying well Tom Brady had no name wide receivers and no name running backs and see what he was able to do with those players but I think it's just completely different they usually had players that one maybe two of those players were no names up until Tom Brady played with them and then they became household names this year it seems like every wide receiver because Randall Cobb's injured Still, isn't he for the Packers? Yes. So Randall yeah. Cobb's Randall still Cobb, out. Randall Cobb's on the IR with an ankle injury, and our best ta- our best wide receiver right now is Romeo Dobbs, who made that amazing catch. And then we got I pulled up his name the other day, but it was like it was. I was thinking that, that when you said their name, I was thinking that GIF where it's like who? Um, that's oh, why I say for every the, wide receiver the, for the Packers, the broadcast boys. What's his name? I gotta remember it. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's I had it here somewhere. 
it was something Taylor, something Tyler, something, something, something. It was a mm-hmm. wide receiver that was a no name that, but going back to the whole Patriots thing too, like they always had Rob Gronkowski. That's one guy that you know he's going to get the ball. They yep. had Randall Moss for a few years, or Randy, Randy Moss, not Randall Moss. Jesus Randall Moss. Christ. <laughs> Randy Moss for multiple years. So it's like, they yes, they had no names, but at the same time, they also had that big guy. Yes, we had Devontae Adams last year. But even then, we didn't really have much around him. We had Economia St. Brown, who's barely making the, the Bears roster right now. And Valdez Scantling, which has been, he's been playing pretty well for the Chiefs. Yeah, Valdez Cantley, who's – I'm not going to say it. He looked better. He's looking a lot better on the Chiefs than he did with the Packers. But, like, other than those two, it's like we had Amari Rodgers who can not who can barely stay on the field right now because he's just dropping everything. We had – like, even before then, I don't really – we had James Jones for a while, but he was old, like, the past few years. We've had – I don't even know who else. Mm. Jawan Winfrey, I guess, yeah. who's barely making a practice squad. We have a lot of comments to get through. Karen's back in the the room. Welcome, Karen. Glad to see you. Um, we also have Kevin O'Keefe from What's Brewing chiming in, saying, "How how do you feel about the Pats trade?" They didn't make a trade. They didn't make a trade. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, Karen said, "Just got to Boston for our drive, staying at hotel next to Gillette Stadium." That's awesome. Very cool. Um, John is chiming in saying, team that is sneaking can knock some teams off and done good before deadline without spending money. Actually saved some money. Signed wide receiver Laquan Treadwell to the practice squad. Released wide receiver JJ Arcaja Whiteside from the practice squad. And CB Sydney. Let me see what else. Sydney Jones from the active roster. I believe. JJ Arcega Whiteside. Who? Which team is he referring to? I think Laquan Treadwell is on the. I know it was on the Vikings. He plays for the Seattle Seahawks right now. Okay. So he's on the practice squad for Seattle. I believe so. He's currently on the Seattle Seahawks right now. He used to play for Minnesota. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Then we have. Uh. <laughs> because Roger loves to choke. Um. Pats didn't trade anyone. Um, they just signed people to practice squad. Kevin also says um, offensive lineman Hayden Howerton and punter Michael Pilardi to the practice squad. Um, Kevin said, oh, yeah, that's right. They missed the memo again for the second year in a row. I'm not sure who he's referring to now. Patriots. Kevin says he loves Randall. Um, <laughs> John says Bills acquired running back Naheem Hines from Indianapolis in exchange for running back Zach Moss and a conditional 2023 sixth-round draft pick, which could become a fifth-round pick. The Naheem Hines trade came in at the last minute, too. Yeah. The last minute of, of the trade deadline. And, I mean, that, I, that makes Buffalo better. I mean, yeah. Naheem Hines was playing well in, in place of Jonathan Taylor for the few games that Jonathan Taylor was out with injury this year. And I think it's a good move by Buffalo. It just makes them stronger, gives them more depth there, which is terrifying. But, I mean, yeah, I think Naheem Hines is pretty happy that he's going to Buffalo instead of staying there with the Colts when the, uh, the you know, garbage fire that's happening there. One thing, too, though, is Naheem Hines is a very much so a receiving back, not just a, not just a straightforward running back. They're going to use the absolute living shit out of him. They're going to love him. They're going to love him and David, uh, David Singletary a lot. Because that's a great one-two punch where Devin Singletary can just run the ball. Is very much so a very 
a vertical running back, and then you can have Naheem Hines just come out of the backfield just as a receiving threat half the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and the thing is too, in Indianapolis, they didn't really use Naheem Hines very, very much. So he has some tread on his tires still. He's still a young guy, but um, he has more tread on his tires than guys his age because in Indianapolis, obviously they don't know how to run the ball like they do with Jonathan Taylor because of Frank Reich being there, obviously. But Naheem Hines can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run the ball. He's very versatile. I think that's a really, really good pickup for Buffalo. Just another weapon. Like I said, another weapon for uh, Josh Allen to throw to. And it just makes them that that much scarier heading into the playoffs this year. I think that's going to be something that they need depth-wise, and that's something they've lacked in recent memory when it comes to being in the playoffs and losing in the first or second round. But... Having depth this year, especially like a guy like Naheem Hines, that's going to be really, really good for them moving forward. And Karen is asking about Mac Jones and what do we think about Mac still having issues with his injury. I mean, he just came back, which the high ankle sprain he had, it it can take some time. It's not necessarily something that you can kind of say, hey, it's this amount of time. It's not a set timetable typically. So I'm sure he's going to have lingering effects from that injury, but... They still beat the Jets. The Pats still went in there and beat the Jets this weekend, which the Jets have been Falcon. really hot recently. Six and two going into that game. Um, I'm sorry, five and two going into that game, and then losing um, to the Patriots by five points. I mean, I, I still think Mac Jones is good. Twenty four of thirty five, one hundred and ninety four yards, one touchdown, one interception. So he still had pretty good numbers for considering like what's happening in his life right now. Um, I don't think he's that injured. I mean, he's coming back from it. He's still going to be hindered by it a little bit, but I think that he'll still, as the weeks go on, you'll see him get more and more comfortable and get more and more healthy moving forward. So I don't think you have to really have to worry about Mac Jones there. Um, Kevin saying, I got myself a Zappy Zappy, um, rookie card last week, and I've got a few Mac Jones rookie cards. What's the chance both are going to be worth no more than a penny? Depends on what rookie code you, rookie cards you got. I'm sure the House of Cards on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time would be able to tell you a bit more about that. I can too, but not on this show. Um, I, I I still think Mac Jones is going to be good. I I still think he is. He's still going to be a good quarterback. I think that Bailey Zappi will probably be playing somewhere else. Uh, we talked about last week. I think that he showed flashes this year to where you're going to have a team out there who will need a quarterback and say, oh, that Bailey Zappi kid had a, a good stint there in New England. Let's go sign him and get traded somewhere. So I think that's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, you have more potential, I think, in the rookie card for Mac Jones than you do with Bailey Zappi. But hold on to Bailey Zappi. Who knows? Something might happen there. It's depending on how much you spend on the cards. Um, John says the Falcons traded a 2023 seventh round pick to Kansas City Chiefs for Rashad Fenton. I don't know who that is. I don't either. It was a seventh round pick, so probably not. I, I I do know this though. The rookie corners they have in Kansas City. He was actually a starter last year. Fenton was. He got pushed out from his starting role because of the corner play they've had in Kansas City. So I guess he just lost favor with Kansas City, and especially the, those young guys probably beat him out. So I mean, I mean, yeah. training him for seventh round pick. I mean, he was a starter before, so it might be a good move for the Falcons. Just kind of throw a flyer on him and see how he plays. In Atlanta, I mean, for a seventh-round pick, I mean, are you going to get somebody who's actually going to be a starting-level corner in the seventh round? Probably not. Probably not. 
I mean, plus they, to me. Yeah, plus they actually they lost AJ Terrell last week or two weeks ago against the Bengals. They lost a bunch of their depth piece, depth depth pieces. I can't talk right now. So adding somebody else that can just be there for depth is going to be pretty good for them. Uh, John also asked, since Ravens released him, you see someone taking chances on him next year. Cornerback Daryl Worley. No, it's no. I think his. I think he's very done. If he can't stay with the Ravens, who's been having one of the, I'm not going to say one of the worst, but a very high flying defense that's been not being able to make turnovers off of anything. I don't think anybody's going to really take a chance on him. I could see like maybe the Falcons where they're trying to get some depth. I could see something like that. But yeah. I think he's going to be sort of relegated to the practice squad now. Yeah, I mean, I I could see him getting signed by a team like you said, practice squad first, kind of see if he still has it. Um, over under, probably five more starts in his career. I'd probably say under. Yeah, <laughs> most likely. Um, Karen referring to Mac Jones, saying he's absolutely amazing, and her dream is to see that man in front of my face. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin said, "Tyler, you didn't answer my question. I'm not sure which question it's he's referring Sydney Crosby to. Jackson. It's not Sidney Crosby. I know Sidney Crosby plays for the Penguins because." I'm partially a Penguins fan. There and it yes, it is Mason Crosby. Mason. He, is, he is still kicking field goals for us. He is 48 years old, still s- sort of drilling him every single week. I'm going to say that, and he's going to miss 15 next week. So, Whoa. <laughs> That's not going to be good for the Packers if he misses 15. No. Not going to be good. But, um, and John said Worley hasn't done anything the past three years, so that, that makes sense. Um, he also said, trade us Henry. That's not going to happen. And he said, thanks, Tyler. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it for the show this evening. Um, let's talk about the, the games that are happening. The games this past week in week eight, there were some big games. Dolphins won this week, obviously, to the Lions. Lions fired their DB coach after this weekend as well. So they're hoping that that will change the tide there for Detroit, which I don't think it will. But again, I still love that. I still love the head coach, still love the team. So we'll uh, we'll see how they do moving forward without their DB yeah. coach. Um, and the Dolphins punted one time that game, yeah. once. So very efficient with the ball last week. Very efficient with the ball. Um, Falcons being the Panthers, thirty-seven and thirty-four to take sole possession of first in that division. DJ Moore. For the Carolina Panthers, which that was a name that was being thrown around for a trade, a trade potentially as well, didn't emerge. However, DJ Moore scored a game tying touchdown, and before they kicked the extra point in celebration, he took his helmet off in the field of play, which resulted in a, a penalty, which resulted into a longer kick for the extra point. The extra point was missed to win the game. They went to overtime, and the Falcons took it from there. Koo kicked the field goal and won the game for them in overtime after they missed a field goal again in overtime. Yeah, it's... Just not good for Carolina. That, that's just how Carolina's season's going this year. Yeah, it, it really is. Carolina's just been kick, just been shooting themselves in the foot each week, it just seems like. Especially in the offseason, getting Baker Mayfield. And yeah, we're benching you for P.J. Walker, who we've had on the roster for the past three years. Former XL, XFL star. XFL star, XFL MVP, I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cowboys, Bears, Cowboys winning 49-29. to Mar- Micah Parsons, which is the oddest touchdown you'll ever see. 
he scored a touchdown after Justin Fields went over to him and jumped over him, not touching Micah Parsons, leaving it to where it was a live ball still. Micah Parsons stood up, had the football IQ to run the ball into the end zone for his first touchdown of his career. The Eagles beat the Steelers 35-13. to 15, uh, 35 to 13. A.J. Brown, 6 of 156 yards and 3 touchdowns. Woof for the Titans. Um, Seattle Seahawks beat the Giants 27-13. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. That's all I can say. Geno Smith. People are saying, I mean, he's going to be probably the comeback player of the year. If he keeps it up the way he has, he'll be the comeback player of the year. He's also potentially in the MVP conversation as well with the way he's been playing for that team. That's just crazy to me to think that you just change Russell Wilson one year and you're getting this kind of play out of a quarterback like Geno Smith, who we saw in the Jets organization, was not a good quarterback, but he's thriving with the Seattle Seahawks. And you're getting all those draft picks, too, from Denver. So you're getting Absolutely. all those draft picks, and you're doing good right now? Like, what? I think everybody thought that the Broncos and the Seahawks records were going to be swapped. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody thought that Seattle was going to be in this position. Yeah, and uh, Chris said shooting themselves in the foot. That's actually a shotgun blast to the face, speaking of the Carolina Panthers. Um, John Suggs, do the Browns have the best duo running backs? Well, now that Kareem Hunt hasn't been traded, I would probably say yes. Although, I mean, if Zach was, if Zeke Elliott was playing a little bit better, if the roles were reversed in Dallas to where Tony Pollard was actually your starting running back and Zeke was your second running back, I could there could be a case made that they could be one of the top duos as well. I think right now, I hate doing this because I, I love R2. It's, I have to say it's Cleveland 1 with uh, Nick Chubb and um, Kareem Hunt. Dallas 2 with... Zeke and Tony Pollock, those two guys just mesh perfectly. And three is probably going to be Green Bay. I'm not saying that it's a bias. I think we genuinely have one of the best 1A, 1A, 1B running back to those with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Because, But the one thing, too, that I think you look at all three of these and you're like, oh, one of them is fast. One of them could just pull over people. The only outlier is Cleveland, who have both people who are fast and can just yep. run you over because they don't run care. you over. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and I think Tennessee is probably in the top 10 as well when it comes to duos because Dontrell Hilliard and Derrick Henry, I think that's a really good duo as well. Dontrell is not necessarily utilized that much. He's actually had an uptick in production this year just because they've utilized him a bit more. But I think that they're probably in the top 10 too. But yeah, I I would definitely agree that I think that Kareem and Nick Chubb are probably the best duo in the NFL currently. Andy's saying... The Eagles could be going undefeated because they play the same garbage teams over and over. Hopefully the Titans and Packers can beat them. We're not beating them. Uh, I, I think that we have a shot. I mean, I would love to see the Packers beat them as well. I think that the Titans have a shot just because of the defense, how the defense has stepped up recently. And we've just consistently been getting healthy, healthier than we were in the beginning of the season. We're getting all these players back. Um, I think that... Uh, Caleb Farley's going to be out there probably in certain packages, but not very often. Christian Fulton has been playing at a very high level the past few games. I think he's only allowed 
Um, I don't know what the stat is on him. If you can pull that up, just Christian Fulton the past few games, there should be a story about him, um, potentially on Twitter too. Look up Teron Davenport. He might have something there. Um, there was a stat out there about uh, Christian Fulton, and it looks like he's getting into lockdown status when it comes to the cornerback position. So that's a guy to keep your eye on too moving forward. Uh, but the defense, I think, can can definitely cause some chaos for any team they play up against, especially currently with only allowing the past three games, only allowing about 50 yards in rushing per game. Um, passing has been a little bit different, but being able to uh, contain some of the passing game has been pretty good for the Titans so far. So especially holding the Texans only 10 points and seven of those points were in garbage time within the last minute of the game because they just let them have it. So um, I think that's a really good thing for the Titans. Uh, another game too, last game from this past week, the Bills and Packers. Packers losing by 10. We talked about it a little bit before the show, uh, at the beginning of the show anyway. Josh Allen had his second lowest passing yards and second lowest QBR in the season. Uh, 218 passing yards and 75.1 was his QBR. So that's interesting to me is that the Packers defense was able to rattle him a bit. And that's the reason why they got got it to a 10 point um 10-point loss instead of more than 10 points. I think that they still have chinks in their armor. You still can get to the Buffalo Bills and be successful. It's just you have to throw Josh Allen off his game. And the Packers were able to do that. It's just that they were overtaken by the other playmakers that were on the team that night. Yeah, I think the one how the one thing that I really like about our defense is a lot of people talk about like our cornerbacks and Jair Alexander and our back four and everything like that. I really like our front seven. Our front seven went healthy because obviously we had Quay Walker get uh, kicked out of the game, and we had Devontae Campbell go down with an injury. But if you saw them beforehand, they were looking like they could actually like sort of slow him down a bit because like, we had our pass rushers getting to him. We had um, Rokon, not Rokon Smith, uh, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, both of them getting to him. We had Dean Lowry getting there a few times. We had uh, 55, I can't remember his name, but he's a rookie, uh, getting there pretty often, like being really good on usage. So I think that's sort of their biggest weakness is going to be that offensive line. But obviously it's it's a 6'7", 200-pound quarterback that's just pure muscle that can just fling it 100 yards with a flick of the wrist. It's going to be – it's very difficult to beat and very difficult to slow down. But if you're able to get him to move, which it's going to sound – it sounds weird to say like getting him to move is going to be the best way to beat him, especially with how fast he can run. But getting him to move and getting him off of that pressure where he sort of has to improvise, it sort of seems like the best way to get him sort of rattled. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good tip for any team that's facing him in the next few weeks. Um, we'll see how they, they're able to do it. I, mean, I, I think that, again, I think at a certain point we're going to see Buffalo struggle this season. They still have at least 10 games to go this season. Um, maybe nine games to go at this point. I'm not sure if or I'm not sure if they've had their bye week or not. Um, but they had nine or, ten, nine or 10 games left this season. I still think they can show weakness in those in those games. Um, so we'll see if they're able to keep up this pace they've had so far this season. Last but not least, I have a question for everybody. There's three games happening next week that are interesting, and they're, th- they're three of the only games next week that actually have um, teams that have winning records so far, which has been interesting. It seems like everyone this year has hovered around that, like, three and five, two and six. It's, it's very, very strange to me. Um, they're hovering right around 500. Most teams are right now. But there are three games that are happening this weekend that are very interesting, in my opinion. The Chargers at Falcons, the Bills at Jets, and the Titans at Chiefs. 
Which game are you looking forward to the most in Week 9? Let us know in the comments below. We'd love to get your thoughts. Once again, the games are the Chargers at Falcons, Bills at Jets, and Titans at Chiefs. Which game are you most interested in this week in Week 9? Tyler, I'll let you go first. I don't want to choose yours because I know what one, one you're going to choose. And it's going to be the best one out of the three. Yes, yeah, I true. do. Um, so I'm just going to go with Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills at Jets. I think last week the New England Patriots sort of saw the sort of showed the blueprint on how to beat the Jets. Just sort of get to Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson isn't still has a lot of developing to do. So I think it's going to be a very sort of um, very shootout sort of game. But I think Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle for the Jets, could actually have a really good game tomorrow. Or on Sunday, I mean, because he could just he could sort of go to that point where he's trying to like stop it. I do have to agree where I think the Bills are still going to win it, but I think uh, I think the defensive line for um, the Chiefs, the Jets are going to be are going to be is going to be sort of big playmaker. Same with Sauce Gardner. I think this is sort of his. Is he able to slow down Stefan Diggs? And if he's able to, then I'm going to start calling him. I'm going to start being like, okay, he is going to be the real real deal for the next for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, before I get to mine, Andy is chiming in saying, and for anyone out there, the Cowboys and Giants are trash. It's a carousel of trash playing trash, which is why these teams have good records. All right, I'm done. He also says Chiefs by 15, Bills by 15, and Chargers by a tutty. And John Suggs chimes in and says Chargers versus Falcons. Or I'll even say Seahawks at Cardinals. Uh, be games I'm looking for. So those are interesting games too. I would have to say Titans and Chiefs are definitely going to be the most interesting game this weekend simply because I, I think it's a good measuring uh, measuring stick for the Titans to see what they've what they're able to do against playoff contenders. That that's the biggest thing, it's, especially watching the Buffalo game in prime time. What six weeks ago at this point, six seven weeks ago, um, this team's completely different in my opinion. They've come together, the defense has come together, and they actually have an identity now. And I think that those everyone's playing together at a very, very um, high level. They're playing together as a unit now to where the secondary is playing well, the, the defensive line is playing well, they're getting to the quarterback, they're, they're creating turnovers. Um, Andrew Adams has been playing very, very well in the in the safety position. Um, Amani Hooker coming back, playing in the nickel, has has done well for us too. So having those guys has been really, really good, especially holding the Houston. They they held Houston's offense, even though this it's the Houston Houston Texans we're talking about. They held them to I think 150 yards of complete of total offense this past weekend and. 90 of those yards came in the last drive where they scored a touchdown. So garbage time yardage they received. So this defense is playing at a very high level right now, especially the secondary, especially the defensive line. Do I think the Titans can win this game? Yes. It's going to be a close game if they do. If Ryan Tannehill's in, I have more faith in the Titans than I do if Malik Willis is in because the play calling, they need to have a passing game in this, in this scenario. And if Malik Willis is out there, I'm not sure if he is strong enough yet to actually get the passing game going. But I still think it's going to be a, a tight game. Uh, people are saying, you know, Andy said by 15. Uh, John's chiming in here saying 33 to 21. So 12 point, a 12-point deficit there. 
I think the line here is, I think it was uh, eight, I believe it was. Might be even more than that. Um, So in this scenario, though, I think the Titans will keep it close. I think betting the Titans plus whatever it is would probably be the best way to do it because I think their defense is going to keep them in this game. And if the defense keep in the game and Ryan Tannehill's back on the field healthy, then I think this game can really be interesting. Even if they lose this game, I think it's good experience for the team as a whole. They're still 5-2. and two. They're in a very, very good position in the AFC South. So if they lose this game, if they lose the Eagles game, I think that's fine, in my opinion. I still think they'll they'll be able to win the AFC South. They'll still be able to get to playoffs if they lose those two games. And those are the two games I really have circled heading into the stretch of the season. But again, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do on prime time. Hopefully they'll be able to give the Chiefs a game, which we saw the Colts do a few weeks ago against the Chiefs, where, yes, it was the Chiefs making bonehead decisions, Andy Reid and them making bonehead decisions, but, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you see the Titans keep it a close game. Andy said the spread's 13, which, ah, that's that's a that's a high spread. Yeah, the over-under for a high spread. Yeah, the over-under is 46.5, and Kansas City has the spread. It's actually moved down a little bit to, to 12.5. Okay, so 12.5 now. Um, I'll be interested to see if that happens if, if uh, they know that Ryan Tannehill is playing. I think they might be conservative right now. Uh, it's not necessarily conservative. It's actually a pretty big spread still. But I think that number might lower if they realize that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starter. Yeah, Which especially they haven't made any I, indication yet if he's coming back or not. Yeah, especially since it's just Tuesday. So probably yeah. once we get once it gets closer, probably once it gets Thursday, once it's announced like, oh, Tannehill is back, Vegas will probably shorten the spread a bit to probably, I would say probably like six. Yeah, so and Andy right said, um, Sunday night, baby, I will send you a pillow to cry on, Dylan, so you don't have to use your own. And Chris is chiming in with uh, hockey, swimming out of the game with an injury, Olmark back in. Oh, that's not good. Um, still 5-3 for the Bruins. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting game, the Chiefs and Titans. So in prime time, let's see if the Titans can actually match up against a team like Kansas City. Although I have to tell you, Andy, in the regular season, the Titans are 4-0 against your Kansas City Chiefs the past four meetings. So it's not a good stat for the Chiefs and Andy Reid. But that's just, uh, we'll just put yep. that out there. The only thing I remember from a, from a Titans Chiefs game is when Marcus Mariota threw the ball, got deflected. the touchdown to himself in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I remember from those yep. games. Geno or Murray right now? Geno Smith? Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Geno Smith, but I need to have Pete Carroll coaching him because Pete Carroll is, I think. He's the Geno Smith whisperer. He is year. somehow. He's just been he's just been so much better. I think if Brian Dable didn't if Brian Dable doesn't basically have a lock for the playoffs, I feel like I think Pete Carroll should be the or lock for the coach of the year. I think Pete Carroll should be in the conversation. I think but he I will think, be. I think Brian Dable's I think Brian Dable's just gonna win it outright because of you look at the Giants roster and I don't they're not supposed to be in this sort of where they are right now, but I think if they keep on winning and they actually like, let's say they only lose like four or five games, I think it'll only, I think it'll go to Brian Dable. If they start to have a little bit of a sort of slip and lose five or lose like three, four straight, I could see it going to Pete Carroll though. Well, I could see also if Brian Dable loses Saquon Barkley 
or if teams shut down Saquon Barkley, like that, what happened this weekend with the yeah. Giants, I think that could be a cause for concern for New York as well, and that could probably make it to where Pete Carroll is an even better candidate for Coach of the Year. Andy says, again, regular season. Let's talk about the playoffs. Oh, Andy, so you're saying that you're going to bet the Titans this weekend. That sounds good. Bet the Titans plus 12 and a half, and you'll get your money. You'll win it, I promise. Uh, Chris is saying, oh, and fi- uh, still 5-1. Uh-oh. If we're talking, here you go. If we're talking about the playoffs and regular season, are we talking about next year during the playoffs? There's still half the season left. Let's stick to the now. Thank you, Chris, for the first time. I think. Uh, John, Jim Mora voice. Playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, the playoffs right now. We're talking about regular season. And so regular season being 4-0 against the Kansas City Chiefs, it's a pretty good stat. Pretty good stat. Um, anyway, Thanks so much for watching this week, guys. This has been Out of Bounds Dylan James right here on JDF Sports. And we are also streaming on Let's Talk Sports on YouTube as well. Be, be sure to subscribe to us. Be sure to follow us on our social media handles. JDF Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, everywhere you find us. We'll be on our podcast as well soon. So if you're listening to us on the podcast, hello. And we look forward to uh, being on here more often. But Tyler, you have anything else to say before we head out this evening? Uh, I'm gonna pull up Chris. I'm gonna pull up Andy's. Okay. Uh, Phillies are okay. Yeah. I I yep. <laughs> I, I think before this series, I was choosing Philly in the first place, and um, I mean they they came in game one. They came back from a eight zero deficit, eight one deficit, something like that. Bryce Harper, Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper brought him back. So that's crazy. Anyway, um. Thanks for watching this week, guys, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday right here on JDF Sports.